Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Let me thank you so much for joining us. Are you a workaholic? Though it's not officially a psychological disorder, workaholism is recognized as, however, a compulsive behavior. I mean, even in today's fast-paced workplace, there's a real difference between the conscientious employee who sometimes burns the midnight oil and that driven individual who never, ever lets up. Workaholics typically rationalize taking on more and more work for a variety of reasons, including the pressure to earn more money or to get promoted or to please a superior. Now, according to the experts, workaholics find personal relationships stressful and are more easily angered than others. They're also more likely to make themselves sick. According to the Reader's Digest, the International Labor Organization estimates that health problems related to work stress cost employers worldwide more than $200 billion every year. And the World Health Organization? Well, they report that about 75% of people who seek psychiatric help have symptoms that relate to either the lack of job satisfaction or just simply the inability to relax. Do you have workaholic tendencies? Let's do a quiz. Respond true or false to the following statements. Number one, I rarely, if ever, dream about work. Number two, I almost never work more than 40 hours a week. Number three, hobbies are an integral part of my life. Four, I rarely check my email and voicemail while on vacation. Five, missing important social events for work is usually unthinkable. Six, my work habits are not a problem for my family. If you answered false, you know, one or two times, then according to readersdigest.ca, you're a balanced person who likes pleasure and gets satisfaction from many aspects of your life. Keep up the good work. But if you've answered false two or more times, then you're probably pushing yourself too hard. And some might even call you a workaholic. You need to get serious about making better use of your time, or you could pay the price of poor health and strained relationships. If this is you, the experts have some suggestions. They say, know your goals. Some people never stop to question why they're doing the job they do. To what end are you working so hard? Are you on the career track that you really want? If not, what do you want to be doing and how can you make it possible? One study of 8,000 people found that an essential key to human happiness is loving your everyday profession. Do you love what you do? Second point, slow down. Force yourself to reclaim your personal life. Schedule dates with friends or your spouse. Call family members just to say a quick hello or share an idea in the middle of the day. Plan social outings in advance and, 
and treat those commitments as seriously as you would a business meeting. Third point, use visual cues. Maybe keep a picture of someone you love in your wallet or on your desk. These can provide an instant reality check and help you relax in moments of stress. And start an accomplishment journal. At the end of each day, jot down one thing that you feel good about having accomplished at your job. And one thing you feel good about having done for yourself or for your friends or, or for your family. Now, reading this diary can help you figure out what is making you happy and what isn't. The patterns you discover will help you make better decisions in the future. Final point, get help. Overwork that never ends is serious stuff. Listen, I'm not being overly dramatic. It's a matter of life and death in some cases. So if you're watching and you realize, listen, I have a hard time taking these steps on your own, then get someone to help you. Okay? Well, we're going to continue in our study of the creation week. And we're coming here now to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 1 and 2. And there we read the following. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. The second chapter of Genesis opens with the indication that creation is now over. But in verse 3 of Genesis 2, God now, he does something very special. Take note of this. It says, Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Now, you'll notice there that in verse 3, the word sanctified. The word, it's essentially the word holy. Now, this is the first time that the word holy is used in the Bible. The root of that word means to separate, or perhaps would be better to, to, to elevate. So it's like a separation that elevates or exalts. So here for the very first time in the Bible, we come across the idea of something being separated, something that is being elevated, something that God has designated as special. This seventh day, he says, is an exalted day. It is a day that is lifted above all other days. God makes it holy and declares it so. Now the reasons he does are basically connected to the verbs that make up this text. First of all, you see that it's a day that is unique because the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. Well, the first verb, the whole work of creation was finished. This work of creation was done in six 24-hour days. Creation did not go on for thousands or millions or billions of years. 
The Bible says after six days, six literal days, it was finished. It was completed. And so what we have here is a special day because it signals that God's entire creation is finished. Secondly, we have the verb rested. When it says in verse 2 that by the seventh day, God had completed his work which he had done, and he rested. Then in verse 3, again, he rested from all his work which God had created and made. This is a unique day because the creation being completed... Bible says God now stops and he rests. Now, that does not imply weariness, that the Lord was tired. You know why? Because Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28 says the following. Do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. You see, God rested only in the sense that he ceased from work, not that he had to replenish his energy. But what it tells us when he rested is really that he was satisfied. Now, that would take us back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31, where it says... God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. You see, it was a perfect work. As was his rest then, was out of an utter satisfaction for the work. And by the way, there would be no more creation for a little while. There was no more work for God to do. God didn't go back to work again until the third chapter of Genesis. Not very long, when Adam and Eve had fell, God had to go back to work. And what was the first thing that God did? Well, look at it. Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And then he drove them out of the garden. You see, God designed that that seventh day would be a special memorial to his creation and its original perfection. Now, this is very important for us to understand. This is a day elevated above all other days as a memorial to remember the glory of God's perfection in his creation. Every seventh day, from here on out, would be a reminder that God, in six literal days, created the universe in all its perfection. Now, have you ever asked yourself, why do we operate calendars all over the world in sevens? I mean, it seems to be such an odd number, doesn't it? Well, why are there 24 hours in one day? Well, there are 24 hours in a day because... This is the duration it takes the earth to make one complete rotation on its axis. And why are there 365 days in a year? Well, that's because it takes 365 and one quarter days to travel all the way around the sun. 
the quarter day is added up, and every four years then, we get a leap year, an extra day. So in the leap year, there are 366 days. But there is no rational reason for coming up with sevens, with designating weeks and months and years to be in sets of sevens. When you think of it, it's actually, well, it's kind of an awkward way to do things. I mean, wouldn't it be just simpler? Simply the math would be simpler if we just did it in tens. But yet, this system is adopted universally around the entire world. And it's unique. And it's designed to be unique. Because every seventh day is a reminder of the power and the glory of God expressed in the magnificence of this six-day creation. You see, to reject God as the creator, to reject God as creator in six days, in essence, is to unbless the seventh day. You know, for us to say that somehow God used thousands or, or millions of years or billions of years to create, well, in essence, when we do that, we desanctify the seventh day. There's a reason why we live in seven-day units. And man has always done it. It's because every seventh day provides you and I with a reminder that God is the creator who created in six days the entire universe. In Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 and 7, we have the message that is to be carried to the entire world prior to the coming of Jesus. Here is what it says. And I saw another angel flying in the mid-heaven, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth and to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and the springs of water. You see, the testimony of the gospel is to acknowledge God as the creator. It's the everlasting good news that God is the creator. Every seventh day, every seventh day that passes should stand as a testimony to our God, the creator. Every Saturday is a perpetual witness to God as the creator. Well, the next time we run into the Sabbath, it's in Exodus 16, when God feeds the people manna from heaven as they wander in the wilderness. The manna comes every day except the Sabbath day. The day before the Sabbath, they are told to gather a double portion of manna because the manna never fell on the Sabbath. Interestingly, if they gathered a double portion of manna on any other day, 
the manna would spoil and stink. But on Friday, the double portion of manna, well, it would last until after the Sabbath. Look at Exodus chapter 16, beginning at verse 16. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it every man as much as he should eat. You shall take an omer apiece according to the number of persons each of you has in his tent. The sons of Israel did so, and some gathered much and some little. When they measured it with an omer, he who had gathered much had no excess, and he who had gathered little had no lack. Every man gathered as much as he should eat. Moses said to them, Let no man leave any of it until morning. But they did not listen to Moses. And some left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and became foul. And Moses was angry with them. They gathered it morning by morning, every man as much as he should eat. But when the sun grew hot, it would melt. Now on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil and all that is left over put aside to be kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning as Moses had ordered. And it did not become foul, nor was there any worm in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it. But on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. It came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? You see, the Bible says God took one day out of the week, blessed it, and even told us what the purpose of this one day is. It is for rest and it's for refreshment. Keep in mind that the only day in all the Bible that carries with it a blessing is the day that is known as the Sabbath. Uh, Exodus 23.12, it clearly states the purpose for the Sabbath. It's, there it says, Six days you are to do your work, but on the seventh day you shall cease from labor so that your ox and your donkey may rest. And the son of your female slave, as well as your stranger, may refresh themselves. Now, the Hebrew word for refresh means to breathe. You know, when, when you've been running to the point of exhaustion, the way you refresh yourself is you stop and you sort of catch your breath. God has so made us that we need one day a week just to catch our breath. 
You know, the author Kevin Trudeau, uh, in his book, Natural Cures They Don't Want You to Know About, he says something I found interesting. He says, without proper rest, the cells are not given time to recharge and to rejuvenate. Tired cells, he writes, cannot eliminate toxins efficiently. So it is also during rest that most healing takes place. Most people do not get enough rest. And the rest they do get is not full and deep. Each week, a lunar cycle occurs. Now notice this, starting at sundown every Friday and ending at sundown every Saturday. He writes, this time period is absolutely the most ideal time for the body to recharge and to rejuvenate. Take it for what you will. Over the years, Coca-Cola has had some remarkable, unforgettable marketing campaigns. And back in 1929, their advertising people came up with a phrase that has stuck even to this day. Coca-Cola, the pause that refreshes. Well, isn't that a perfect phrase to describe what the Sabbath was meant to be? Your day of rest is meant to be a day of refreshing. You know, the Sabbath used to be the best day of the week. Where do you think the phrase came from that says, TGIF, thank God it's Friday? It came because the next day was the Sabbath. You see, when you observe the Sabbath, what you're really doing is not only obeying a command of God to rest, but you're doing much more. You're letting God know that you trust that in the other six days of the week, He'll provide all He needs to provide for you and your work. The Sabbath is for refreshment, but the primary way you can be fresh, refreshed is through the worship of God. You see, the Sabbath was never separated from corporate worship. Right there from the days of Moses, all the way through the early days of the Christian church, this is a principle I don't want you to miss. God's Sabbath is not just a day of rest, it is a day of reference and reverence. If you are really in tune with the Lord, then there is nothing you can do that is more restful than getting together with God's people, studying God's word, and worshiping the God of rest. We need to understand that this is the one day of the week that God deserves our undivided attention. And nothing, nothing should compete with that or for that from the outside world. I mean, think about this. God could have created the world in six nanoseconds, but he took six days. And then he rested on the seventh. He did it to illustrate the fact that you and I, we also need to stop so that we can be refreshed. Let us pray. Gracious God, loving Heavenly Father, 
thank you for the blessing of the Sabbath rest. Father, if any of our viewers right now have not experienced that treasure, that special day of rest, every seventh day, may they commit to experiencing the gift of the Sabbath starting from the next Sabbath going forward. Please bless each and every viewer, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, at the end of each program, we have special resources to offer you to help you in your study of God's Word. And today I have two special edition magazines, Signs of the Times. One is called A Day to Remember and the other, History's Greatest Hoax. I'd love to send these to you and I would encourage you to study these to further deepen your understanding of the Sabbath and the purpose of the Sabbath. If you'd like to receive these magazines, here's the information you need. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G0A3, and we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you can order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Operators are standing by now. While on our website, you can leave a prayer request, and if impressed to do so, donate to help keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Let me thank you again for joining us. Before we go, I want to remind you of a number of things. Number one, our Lessons for Living television website, L4LTV.com, L4LTV.com. On the website, all of the previous programs are there. You can send in prayer requests, uh, Bible questions. You can find out where I'll be appearing live. And there's a tab that is the Donate tab. You can make a donation to this ministry. You can do that online with your credit card. You can do it with Interact Debit. Uh, we are a charitable organization, so you'll get a charitable donation receipt. And all of the money donated goes directly to keeping this ministry going forward. I also want to remind you of our Mission Project website, missionnowcanada.com. Find out where we are going on our next mission project. Maybe you want to join us. Lessons for Living Television Facebook page and our Lessons for Living Television YouTube channel. All of the programs are there. Become a subscriber. It's free. And what will happen then is every time a new video is added, you're going to be notified. 
That's all the time we have for this week. I hope we'll be back together again real soon. Till then, God bless you. We'll see you next time.